Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome everyone to Positively Trek, another episode where yours truly, Barry DeFord and Dan Gunther talk all things Trek, but positively. How are you doing this week, Dan? Oh, not too bad, Barry. As always, excited to talk about Trek. And this, you know, I, I say this a lot, but this is a highlight of my week for sure. So happy to be here. Oh, that means a lot, man. I, I actually really do like this too, even though I feel a little bit bad. Um, dear Positively Trek listeners, you are going to have to wait a week before we talk too much about Picard because... I sort of had a busy week and after watching the premiere and then part of the next episode of Star Trek Picard, I realized that it needs my undivided attention and I do lovingly live in a house that is prone to distraction and sudden changes in plans and so I just feel like this weekend coming up I'm going to be able to really sit down and just take in all of what I'm seeing from Star Trek Picard. So mad shout out to all the Trek fans on the social medias who are always giving spoiler warnings, content warnings making sure that those of us who aren't able to consume quite as fast uh, are still getting all of the wonderful surprises. So that really means a lot. So just so I don't stick my foot in my mouth and, and inadvertently spoil you, you're up to which episode at this point? Halfway through the second episode. Oh, okay. All right. So wow. not a lot has happened. No, I am I am so far behind right now, but this is the thing is like... Ugh. So many things are happening. And also I had, okay, so uh, those of you who are in Canada, um, Crave is really hard to get on your TV. Uh, (laughs) Using the little channel changer to like put it on. And I got, I don't know, we had account problems, password problems. I couldn't get onto it on my phone for a while. Nothing against the the streaming platform. It is 100% me being just completely inept when it comes to that sort of stuff. So there was also like an actual like functional problem I had. And that was a me problem. And I, I dealt with it. It's good. I can get back onto Crave now. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, Crave isn't always the most stable and or user-friendly sometimes. So I, I share your pain there. It's definitely yeah. not quite as simple as your Netflixes or I don't know what Paramount Plus is like, but uh, no. yeah, Crave sometimes it's a little little uh hinky let's say <laughs> yeah yeah i tried to put i tried to put it on the samsung downstairs and it was sort of like a cascading failure because then it like was like you need to do your password again on my computer and that didn't work and then i'm like okay i'll just go on my phone and it's like account suspended i'm like okay there's a problem <laughs> there's been suspicious <laughs> oh, no. activity and then i had to like answer yeah it all worked out everything's fine um and and we can we can move on from that but uh mm-hmm. yeah it's it's all good Well, I'm really looking forward to you getting caught up on Picard because we have things we need to talk about. And I'm not even talking about the podcast. I just mean me and you talk. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Well, there's always the possibility that uh, possibly on this weekend, if there's any time you may have to, um, you know, rewatch a couple episodes or something like that, or at least uh, be available for me when I have to call you and tell you of all the things I've learned. Aside from just like the gratuitous ship shots that I've managed to see, um, obviously I'm aware of the museum. Um, wow. Uh, <laughs> oh, just beautiful. Oh, yes, man. Yeah. But 
instead of that, we do have quite a bit to talk about. And actually, I'm going to be interviewing Dan on uh, talking a little bit about speaking of ships and whatnot. And, uh, you know, in light of the loss of Eagle Moss and them sort of quickly selling off sort of the last of uh, what they had through that one company, I was sort of perusing the website. I don't know, Dan, did you go on and look at any of those kind of like final offer ships that they were selling? I think um, who was sending those links out uh, just over the week here? I saw Ben Robinson tweeting them. Um, and a few other people for sure. Yeah. I think it's master replicas is the company. Yes. That's the one. Yeah. And I, I went online before they started offering them and just kind of see what was going to be on offer. And Mm -hmm. I really do have to admit that the kind of larger size Luna class USS Titan from the lower decks line was one of the ones listed and was very tempting And I think I went on about probably an hour or two after they went live and it said sold out and I'm actually probably happy and I'm sure my bank account and wallet are happy that that was the case because I don't know that I could have controlled my actions if it was still available at that time. True fact. I, I'm, I also, I also saw that one and, uh, very happily spun my chair around to see the autographed small size Luna class Ooh. Titan that I have. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I got that from, uh, Mr. Frakes. And, uh, I remember I said, will you sign the base of this ship? And he looks at me and he's like, you just paid me. I'll sign anything you want. <laughs> I'll never <laughs> forget how just I mean he was very friendly and nice but and then Mm -hmm. later I asked him if we would see the Titan in any upcoming shows not knowing that it would show up in Lower Decks obviously he did and I remember we were at the the photo op moment and he after I asked him will we see the Titan he leaned in really close up to my face and went we'll see (laughs) <laughs> and gave me that kind of knowing Jonathan Frakes like smile. And so I was like, awesome. So, so speaking of Star Trek news, Star Trek Strange New Worlds season two begins on June 15th, plus um, Strange New Worlds season three and Lower Decks um, season five have actually been confirmed. So I honestly think, you know, we've been talking about the end of Picard, the end of Discovery. There's still so much more to look forward to. And I mean, we are going to get like what, like about a two month break after the end of Picard before we start seeing these new episodes. And then obviously, like, I think Prodigy is coming out sort of like what, like the winter or something. So I mean, this year, we're still going to see three brand new series of Star Trek for sure. Yeah, which honestly, that's a pretty good haul. And with the way season one of um, Strange New Worlds ended, I'm really looking forward to that as much as I have to say, like, Picard has really set a new watermark for what I've seen so far. And just even just the conversation that's happening. I mean, even the guys that on, um, you know, you know, usually the kind of stuffy YouTube channels that kind of criticize stuff, they're even like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool to see that like new Trek over time is, is really starting to capture people's imagination. I don't think it's necessarily changed in quality more than I think it's changed in reach. And people are starting to really come around to, you know, the way they want to tell these stories. And, you know, a lot of what our conversations with Jesse last week, I think, kind of highlights a lot of the directions that Star Trek is is moving in. And I'm excited for it. I'm really here for it. Is there anything in particular you're looking kind of forward to with Strange New Worlds or Lower Decks? Any any anticipations? Well, definitely Strange New Worlds, like you said, I think penetrated the wider pop culture more so than most of the new Star Trek has up to this point. And then following that Picard season three, I think has capitalized on that and made even bigger inroads 
in with kind of the wider community outside of Star Trek. So I really, um, I really agree with your point there. Strange New Worlds was one that I wasn't, it wasn't that I wasn't looking forward to it. It's just that I was kind of trying to temper my own hype with regards Mm. to everyone else that blew. I mean, (laughs) I'm eating my words now. Like season one blew me away. It was incredible. I think they did some really great stuff. Season two, I'm really looking forward to that sort of dynamic storytelling where it's more of a standalone story per episode than we've gotten with discovery and other shows like that. But at the same time, still with that new Star Trek aesthetic that they've really brought to it and the the mindset that they've brought. Uh, I love when they push the envelope with, you know, quote unquote, social issues and, and representation and things like that. Also, just really curious about some of the stuff they have planned for the season on the more fun side of things like this thing they've been talking about since they first announced season two this crossover between strange new worlds and lower decks and what that's going to look like, like that blows my mind. And I don't know if you listen to the pod directive, the official star Trek podcast with Tawny Newsom and Paul F Tompkins, but they were talking with Jonathan Frakes and he directs that episode, that crossover episode. And just the way they talk about it, it sounds like so much fun. A, that they had so much fun making the episode and B, like, I feel like we're not prepared for this. <laughs> I think it's going to be wild. We probably aren't. And 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 maybe, and, and am I being, again, kind of facetious here to some degree, but like, I find Star Trek gets better. And, and I know this sounds silly, like a yeah, duh moment, but I find Star Trek gets better when people are clearly having fun, mm-hmm. right? Like... You can see kind of that point in in T and G the the episodes that that you can tell people are having fun and you can tell the ones that they just kind of phoned in or weren't quite interested in and stuff and I just really see that ensemble style that was kind of brought forward in Discovery um, though of course um, Michael Burnham is the main character right there was a lot of characters that you could branch out from much like how Star Trek truly works right it 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 is the ensemble that makes Star Trek what it is all the time mm-hmm. so yeah I think Strange New Worlds is is a crack team. I think Anson Mount is just really leaning into this role very, very well. Um, and I don't know. I, I wonder sometimes if they are going to take the leap and change the fate of uh, Christopher Pike. What do you think? I I feel like they're going to still hew to canon. That said, what that has meant in the past can sometimes be surprising. Right. Right. Like even just the fact that he knows what's going to happen puts a different spin on what we've already seen. And it's really interesting to go back and watch the menagerie and know that Pike saw this coming and still willingly stepped onto that ship to save those cadets knowing what would happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, there's that whole thing in discovery where the, the Klingon to Navik says, if you take the crystal, your fate is sealed and, and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And a lot of people took that to be like a metaphysical kind of spiritual thing. I don't think that's the case. I think that what he was saying to Pike is if you take the crystal, knowing that this is the, your future, then you're the kind of person 
that is not going to deviate from that. You're going to make the choice that saves those lives because like he could have on the day where he he's going on the mission, he's going to look around and he's going to see familiar faces and he could Hmm. refuse to get on that ship. But if he doesn't get on that ship, all of those kids die. And I think that's what, that's what the Klingon, that's what Tanavik was saying was if you make this choice here and now, that's telling me you're the kind of person that's going to go through with this no matter what. Well, and, and I think, you know, the, the nature of Christopher Pike, the way he's been written, the way he's been created is that sort of extremely principled, selfless leader Mm -hmm. that knows that, you know, like I may be the one in charge, but. I also know my place and when my time is, is, is now, then, then I will make the right decision. I hope that's, you know, I also like, there's that wishfulness, right? Where like almost in any, any Shakespearean tragedy, right? You're like, oh, if only, if Mm -hmm. only, right? And then maybe that's part of the message of Pike ultimately is we, we need to understand that life is lived, um, before our fate is sealed, right? Like before that, that final ending takes place, you know, Pike still has years and, you know, everyone's time is coming and being aware of, of that time, I think is a difference and it would have a very huge psychological effect on you, but it would certainly, yeah, I guess it would certainly give you the opportunity to rise to that occasion and understand what rising to that occasion means, because that's what really makes it the most important, right? So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm hopeful that maybe they can toy with it more. It, what you've said has basically changed my mind, Dan. That's what I'm ultimately <laughs> saying right now. At first, I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if Pike actually lived and stuff? And you're like, no, actually, it's like what humanity's about is that though we're doomed, we know we must do the right thing. And Pike is a living embodiment of that. And I'm like, damn it, Dan. <laughs> right. <laughs> but to something I said earlier, too, like the fact that the producers of these shows hew, have to hew to canon, I, I personally think like eventually they do have to make it line up with canon and stuff. But sometimes they surprise us with what that means. Right. True. And they do put yeah. different spins on things from time to from time to time, like with Spock and why he didn't speak with Sarek for years and stuff. You know, we all, we thought one thing they introduced something else in discovery that puts a different spin on that and means something different now. So Mm -hmm. there's still room, I think, to play with stuff and to, to kind of change things up. And also that said, even though Pike knows his fate or so he thinks he doesn't know the complete story. Like he doesn't know that he's going to end up on Talos four and be freed of the, the prison that is his body due to the unique effects of yada, yada, yada and stuff. Uh, he doesn't know how that's all going to end. So, you know, that makes watching the menagerie interesting as well, because there's a little surprise for you. And he's probably like, whoa, I didn't think my life had more surprises, but here we go. And maybe that's it too, is understanding that, you know, until like you finally are gone, gone, there, there is still going to be, you know, life still goes on. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and maybe that's something that we, as, as human beings, you know, wrapped up in kind of our individual experience of life itself can sometimes get those existential moments, right. Knowing that the big exam is coming, knowing that the big test is coming, knowing that the tough breakups coming or something like that. Um, and still going through with what needs to be done. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that's important to, to be able to be reflective on. So I really identify with, 
with Pike's character, to be honest, and, and Anson Mount. And, you know, he's not terribly hard to look at either. So mm-hmm. that's cool. Um, actually, I have to say, you know, like the, the whole cast is, is a, it's a, it, they're a handsome cast, I have to say, you know, like not that I'm, you know, feeling romantic feelings or anything like that, but they all just are, are very, um, they fit their roles so well. They fit their, their character types so well. And it, it makes, you know, it makes the, the whole thing sort of, you know, for lack of a better term, right? You are attracted to, to what they're up to. They're, they're interesting. They do cool poses. They've got, you know, good banter as well. I actually have to say like the, the strange new world's banter was, was a load of fun and seeing some of that banter just off the hob in Picard has also been quite happy, uh, has made me quite happy as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. They're, they're a cast that really seems to gel together. And I think it's going to be interesting to see them going forward in season three, which should be filming relatively soon in Toronto. Yeah. Because everything we've seen so far has been kind of under the pall of of strict COVID restrictions and that kind of thing. And I mean, the Discovery cast has talked about how their filming experience for season four was so much different than previously because they couldn't go and hang out and kind of have that camaraderie off the set. It was, you know, isolate, do your scene, go back to isolation, continually test always wearing masks and stuff and like that's all that we've seen of the strange new worlds cast so i'm i'm curious to see if that kind of more closeness and camaraderie that i assume is going to naturally develop from being able to be a bit more social on set if we're going to see that kind of translate to the screen because like you say they're already really great together so i'd love to see Mm -hmm. you know not not that it's complete free for all now i mean we still have restrictions and there's still issues and that sort of thing but it's a lot more open than it was so i'm really curious to see how that plays out on the screen well um you know obviously with with lower decks coming out they're saying um late summer is the Mm -hmm. is the is the plan so you know starting with some strange new worlds then a nice dollop of uh, lower decks in the summertime again i remember watching lower decks in a tent during that big big heat wave back uh would have been in what 2020 i think or oh yeah 2021 i can't remember that was those are good times but uh, star trek prodigy i haven't been this excited for a kid's show <laughs> right <laughs> in quite some time <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> prodigy set for winter 2023 season two coming out I'm enjoying Prodigy a great deal and these kind of larger 20 episode seasons as opposed to what we've seen from the other shows too is kind of nice. So I'm I'm excited for this. I didn't think I would be this up for a kid's show as I am, yeah. but they, they, they're doing a great job and really curious to see where that goes. Cleverly written. It's, uh, you know, it's full of surprises. Uh, watch our, watch our, uh, de- dissection on season one that I think Dan and I can both agree that, uh, a second run at it, maybe just before season two starts and, and another, maybe like a rewatch and a, a rediscussion on it might not necessarily be a bad idea. So yeah, another big year for Star Trek, even with the news, of course, that Discovery its fifth season will be its last and it's being pushed to next year, which opens up the schedule a bit more. We have a bit more free time. Like you said, there's two months or so after Picard's done before strange new worlds comes back. But yeah, with strange new worlds coming June 15th and then lower decks late summer, 2023, and then capping off the year with prodigy. 
I'm really excited. What do you think of, and the other piece of, of sort of upcoming Star Trek news is Alex Kurtzman is saying that Star Trek, more announcements are coming, basically. And, and he's hinting at character-focused miniseries and movies. Remember Short Treks? Yeah. What the heck happened to that? Short Treks. <laughs> I miss that. I miss that idea of experimenting with things. And that's one thing that this bit of news kind of put me in mind of, that maybe there will be a bit more mm. experimentation and stuff. Uh, the thing that kind of struck me about this is this particular news story where Alex Kurtzman is saying there are Star Trek announcements coming soon. That came mm -hmm. out slightly before this more recent news of the renewal for season three of Strange New Worlds and season five of Lower Decks and the release date for Strange mm -hmm. New Worlds. I kind of thought that's what these announcements are going to be. And it'll probably be around Star Trek Day. But the fact that those announcements were just kind of dropped a couple days ago and this is still upcoming makes me think, oh, this isn't just hype. This isn't just blowing smoke. There are big announcements coming and I'm really curious what they might be. I mean, the, the deep down hope is somehow us catching the great Hail Mary throw of getting Michelle Yeoh to do Section 31. Mm -hmm. She is an and and well-deserved Oscar award-winning actor. Here, here. So I understand her being like, you're going to have to pay me a little more, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So in that respect, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to say outside of um, she is a unique talent. We're lucky to have her as it is. And I hope that she is able to do that. But I do understand being someone of that caliber in that range, you know, sometimes you end up having to kind of go to bigger uh, projects and whatnot. But who knows? The other piece, though, is it's looking like Kate Mulgrew might be doing something live action as well. It sounds like that might be the case. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't want to say too much but there's there's some theories out there. Uh, all, I, all I'm going to say, because you haven't seen a lot of episodes, there are some theories out there that mm. we may see her yet in season three of Picard as well. So uh, as it stands now, we still have four episodes to go. So that that's a possibility. But I would be really excited to see Kate Mulgrew step back into those Starfleet boots as Janeway in live action. That would be incredible. I fully agree. I think that um, Kate Mulgrew is an extremely good actor as it is. And ultimately, um, I, I've watched her a few times at STLV totally hold a, a, a audience of like, what, 1500 people in thrall. Mm -hmm. So I'm, sh I, I'm, I'm sure she's up to the challenge. But um, this sort of like character driven singular project story idea that Kurtzman is talking about, he's calling it Star Trek Legacy. I wonder if this is going to be the engine that he's going to drive some of these more specific stories through. There'll be little tiny sort of morsels uh, to some degree. I could totally see that sort of thing being like a, a banner for bringing back legacy thing. I'm it's right there in the name, right? Legacy. Uh, yeah. Like let's see an episode centering around miles O'Brien or something like that, who I know he has mentioned as a character that he would love to explore. Right. So, uh, Cole Meany back in Star Trek. Oh, man. Sorry, I just made devil horns. You guys can't see that. That was <laughs> specifically for Dan. But yeah, Cole Meany, I would, I would be very excited to see um, Chief O'Brien 
back back in the saddle yeah so this particular interview like he's being very circumspect about a lot of things which again it sounds like you know i usually like i say i don't believe the hype when they say there's big announcements coming soon but i kind of think there are big announcements coming soon so he does you know say like oh we're thinking about things we're working on things this is what he says regarding the, his his general assurance about the future of the franchise. We have plans for new things. There's quite a few plans and you'll hear about them soon. We will continue to expand the Star Trek universe. Absolutely. And going back to what you were talking about with Michelle Yeoh in section 31, the one thing that was said is uh, when he was asked was, I can tell you that we're still very excited about section 31. And that's all I will say, which... I mean, that fills me with more of a glimmer of hope than anything in the last little while. So I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I feel uh, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like this wouldn't be the venue for him to say, no, it's dead and it's not coming back. <laughs> but yeah. if that were the case, I feel like he would say something like, we will have an update on section 31 shortly, blah, blah, blah. But the fact that he said, we're still very excited about section 31. Mm-hmm. maybe spin, but maybe not. You know? Yeah. I guess my concern there is that they're going to go through with the Star Trek Section 31 project that will still feature Michelle Yeoh, mm-hmm. but she will sort of do her kind of pixie villain act she did for Discovery, where she kind of drops in on the episodes that they can, and I hate to sound cynical, afford her, um, <laughs> and then and then move, you know, kind of with other characters, which not won't necessarily be a problem, but I would, and I'm, this is complete speculation because all Alex is giving us is speculation, um, I would like to see Michelle Yeoh as the main character, dealing with problems as a main character and all that, and I understand that the way Hollywood works, this might not be possible anymore, much to the benefit of Michelle Yeoh, who, you know, I like watching, um, you know, some of her older, um, you know, martial art films and stuff like that, too. She's, uh, she's a, like I said, a unique talent, loads mm-hmm. of fun. The one thing I will say is if in a couple years time we are eating our words and Michelle Yeoh is front and center starring role in a Star Trek series week to week kind of thing that would prove that this is something that she really wants to do because it's by no means something she has to do at this point. So fingers crossed, (laughs) fingers crossed that. Yeah, we are completely eating our words and she is all in on the Michelle Yeoh centric Star Trek series that, that would be amazing to see. So, uh, you know, it's, it's still a possibility, but, like you say, it's, uh, it's definitely a, oh, what's a a pie in the sky dream of, of something that we, we would love to have at this point, but it's by no means guaranteed for sure. (laughs) If, if, if eating our words is eating pie, um, I'll definitely happily do that. I'll have a slice of that. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, Have a slice of, have a slice of humble pie. I'll eat it any day. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of, uh, nothing to do with that and more just sort of nostalgia in the world of collecting um the games afoot super seven unveils elementary dear data star trek tng reaction figures which um 
I can't say I'm familiar with this toy line, but I do <laughs> admire how well they have put these science fiction characters into their sort of Victorian-esque season two TNG outfits. It's uh, it's fun to see such a young Patrick Stewart looking so dashing in his <laughs> top hat. Um, and LeVar Burton, like the, the picture they did for his toy, like I think it's computer generated. I don't know, or it's like it's been touched up, but boy, he looks so young. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's, uh, it's quite the thing to see. But uh, yeah, so basically it's, um, if you've seen the uh, Next Gen uh, Season 2 episode, Elementary Dear Data, of course that is the uh, first meeting of Moriarty. Um, and and just, you know, they're on the holodeck, they're solving crimes. It's, uh, I would say, of the first two seasons, it is probably one of my more favorite TNG of all right like there are some stinkers at the start of the tng world we've been through this we've been over this but i do remember quite enjoying elementary deer data quite a bit so yeah what are your thoughts uh is this is this a little too niche for your tastes or are you considering <laughs> getting yourself one of these this is a news story i included just because i think it's hilarious and it blows my mind that they've decided that this is something they're going to do with this toy line which I guess I think for myself, I'm probably not going to pick these up. They've done a number of like regular TNG figures in this line, which are very simplistic, very limited posability and that sort of thing. But I think to me, the fact that they've decided to do this with the appearance that these four characters had in that episode, that they've decided that that's a viable thing to do just makes me so happy that what else could they do kind of thing now yeah this is data laforge picard and wharf in the victorian era costumes they wore in elementary deer data and i'm not kidding wharf appears in that costume in that episode for a total of about 40 seconds maybe yep and yep. <laughs> they've made an action figure of him like, think back to the scene. It's Picard standing outside the holodeck with the top hat and he pops the top hat and Worf kind of jumps. And basically he's standing by outside the holodeck as backup if Picard needs him. And spoiler alert, he doesn't. He doesn't show up again in the episode. He's just standing outside the holodeck in his... In a red cravat. <laughs> in a red cravat and uh, like, yeah, 19th century kind of trench coat type thing i love it i love it yeah I, just the fact that these have been made it blows my mind <laughs> i guess that is a, a big piece here and and i am feeling a little like why didn't they do this off the bat where's pulaski yeah right i i mean i they're 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 saying hey you know we we might you know or this this could be a thing uh in the future but like I, no, nothing against uh the four they they've done here i think they're all really well put together but uh I have to say, Dr. Pulaski looked amazing mm -hmm. um, in that. Uh, and, and I'm probably going to have to give, like, thanks a lot, Dan. I have to rewatch this episode. This is a, <laughs> and a this will have to be after I, I catch up on, uh, on uh, Picard. But yeah, I guess like the fact that this, like in some planning meeting in their toy, you know, in their department, Super 7, they said, this is, this will be profitable. Mm -hmm. We're going to, we're going to sell these like hotcakes. And I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm disbelieving. I'm just like you. I, I think that's fantastic that, that I hope, you know, there are some people out there who want to get Data's little pipe and Jordy's little book and Picard's <laughs> little top hat. And I don't know if Worf's gloves come off, um, but. Uh, <laughs> I love that he's wearing those white gloves. That's amazing. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. Just, just ready. <laughs> uh, but yeah, to your point, Dr. Pulaski in her Victorian dress would be amazing mm-hmm. alongside a Moriarty to stuff her full of crumpets. I mean, we exactly. need that. <laughs> yeah, precisely. So yeah, I mean, if, if, if this is the thing, you know, my, maybe my days of collection and collectability are, are, are waning at this point with what, with these harsh economic times, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, you know what? I'll uh, I'll definitely give these a closer look. Looking at the kind of like the bigger picture on the website, they definitely have some good facial depictions. Um, Picard is a little freaky looking. I'm gonna say that uh, <laughs> straight up, but um, all the rest are quite nice. He's just got that kind of like look of wonder on his face that Patrick Stewart kind of had for the first two seasons. Mm. Well, the kind of cool thing with the Picard figure as well is even if you're not really into his brief appearance in that episode as just a Victorian gentleman, you could do an action figure recreation of a Christmas Carol <laughs> based on this action figure. Uh, you know what? A hundred percent. Yep. You could just like with, especially Picard, there are no real distinguishing features that make him look anything but a Victorian man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, um, yeah, Data's kind of that weird greeny yellow pearly color. LaForge is blind and has some kind of crazy glasses and Worf is a Klingon. So, <laughs> so yeah, I guess it, it is this idea that, that he could, he could fit into any other super seven toy collection and blend right in. It's like a cloaking device almost. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I don't think this is a huge spoiler for Picard because you've seen the trailers and that sort of thing. And, and with Moriarty making an appearance this season, this is kind of well-timed with this line. I, and I, again, I'm kind of surprised they didn't throw a Moriarty in with this. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see how well these sell and then we'll, uh, we'll go with that. Um, it's funny. I'm actually just reading the comments on here and I'm just seeing this one person right at the top. Their name is Locutus. They did this a few days ago. They're like pretty fun, but alas, I can't start another Star Trek toy collection up to my ears and playmates. <laughs> so I guess that is the thing, right? Is, um... There, there, there could be a bit of saturation taking place here, but at the same time, where there's a will, there's a way. We'll see. I like the different colored oh. backgrounds that they all have too. And shout out to Locutus's comment. This is the story on Trek Core. He makes the connection with the Christmas Carol as well. That's funny. <laughs> oh yeah, right. <laughs> oh, that's great. Good job, Locutus, wherever you are. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, Information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Well, I think that's pretty much all the news we have for this week. And obviously, with me being such a slowpoke with uh, Star Trek Picard, um, I did actually have have a couple questions about collectibles and collectibilities and stuff like that. Um, I typically uh, find myself floating around the social medias, having a, a look at all the different Star Trek um, model makers, right? Mm. So um, JJ model making and uh, Bill Krause mm-hmm. are, are two who I follow quite a bit and, and sincerely enjoy all of their different designs and ideas and stuff like that. It's just, uh, it's wonderful to see. And it, it gives me this idea that maybe I can do it myself one day. And instead of buying a already ready-made toy, I mean, I leaned into the Eagle Moss. Like I, I'm sitting next to a uh, USS Bozeman because I'm a podcaster and I'm listening. I love um, it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, that's the thing is like, I don't necessarily want to get glut- gluttonous in my in my collection too much. And, and maybe a bit of that artistic creativity could even get me into a position where I may try to kit bash or something one day. But definitely. Uh, Dan, you have gone down the path of designing and putting together a Star Trek model. And I want to maybe ask you a little bit about, you know, where were your biggest frustration points? Did you ever just want to stop and quit and get really angry at yourself? Or was it pretty, was it like a calming process? Take me through putting tiny lights on a ship. How did that go? How did that feel? And would you do it again? All of the above, maybe? Um, I, I should say, <laughs> I, I've never really kit-bashed or designed uh, models, just basically built the ones kind of that came out of the box, with the exception of, of putting in lights in a model that wasn't designed to have lights or have a light kit or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, um, I have built Star Trek models to varying degrees of success since I was quite young and, you know, with my parents in a store seeing something with Star Trek on it and saying, I want that, getting it home and being like, oh, I've got to glue this. I've I've got to paint this. What is this? And, you know, failing spectacularly at those first few and eventually getting a little bit better and long years of, of not doing any and coming back to it sporadically here and there. Uh, it has been both extremely frustrating and extremely calming at various points in my life. So yeah, it's, it's something that if it goes well and you do something that you end up loving, the fact that it sits on a shelf and every once in a while you can kind of look at it and be like, Ooh, I made that. Uh, it's a good feeling. It's, it's pretty cool. So yeah, I, I love it slash hate it at times, but for the most part lately, uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed it when I've kind of had time to do it. Yeah. 
So what made you pick the the you picked a Cardassian ship, the 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 Galor class or the Galar class? That was one there was there was a time years and years ago that I just kind of picked out any models that I was able to find. I think I originally bought a a Cardassian uh ship on eBay years and years ago and did kind of a passable okay job at it. And then in recent years, round two, who now has the license and bought a lot of the molds for the old models, occasionally re-releases them and they re-released the Cardassian Galar class. And I saw it and thought, I can do a better job with that now. So that that was my main motivation for that is I just wanted to kind of do a better job. And that's the one that actually I put my own lights in and kind of wired a, a fairly simple lighting system in there. Nothing flashing, nothing pulsing or anything like that. Just kind of steady lights to light up windows and the the warp engines and the deflector on the front and stuff. Uh, but that was one, it was not designed for that. So I had to drill out all the, all the windows and then fill them with white glue basically to kind of simulate glass and stuff uh, that was a lot of fun instead of a kit bash it was more of like a kit bonk yeah i guess that makes sense <laughs> yeah yeah i mean modelers all over the world will know the the frustration and fun in making a model do something that it wasn't designed to do and yeah the windows on on that chip were just kind of little uh, lines on the hull. So yeah, I had to drill them out and cut them out and, and make them actual windows. Use like a tiny drill, like a tiny little drill bit. Yeah. A little pin vice drill to kind of drill them out and then an exacto knife to kind of carve it out further. Cause they're kind of these rectangular windows. So yeah, I'd put a couple holes in it to start with and then just kind of shave the plastic around it to, to open them up. Yeah. So you have, uh, as Data would say, uh, remarkable visual acuity, or did you use like a magnifying glass? <laughs> uh, that was just with my own bare eyeballs at the time. I've been noticing ever since I turned 40 or 39 <laughs> or so that uh, I feel like I have to hold a book slightly further away from my face. Uh -oh. So I think the time might be coming. I need to get some sort of visual aid for that sort of thing. Well... <laughs> Uh, as a person who now must wear glasses to be able to make out certain definition and stuff like that, uh, I feel you and, uh, it happens to us all, <laughs> but yeah, I was like, so I've been thinking about this all and, 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 and I did actually put together models when I was a kid, but mostly of like cars. Mm. Um, but there were ones where you had to put like the engine together too. Oh, and yeah. that was always fun. Uh, the most complicated one I ever did was a, uh, uh, um, Ford Mustang 1966, uh, GT350. Oh, okay. I have a 67 <laughs> the... Shelby still in its box somewhere. <laughs> GT500? Uh, I'm not a big car guy, but I think so. <laughs> Does it look like a Mustang kind of? Yes. Or like one of the 60s sports cars? Yeah. Okay. That's probably it. Well, I'd love to have a look at that. Um, but I remember, you know, the, the, the again, the fine detailed jobs and, and stuff. I listened to a lot of Metallica at the time. So mm. anytime I listen to Metallica, I typically think about putting together tiny models and the smell of like paint and glue, nice. um, <laughs> which is not usually what comes to mind when you're, when you're listening to Metallica. But anyways, I thought to myself, like, you know, it, it's a meditative experience. It's a, it's a way of engaging with that, you know, cause you know, we, we collect things and I collect things and, and, you know, I mean, sometimes I semi play with a toy, like I'll, I'll take my Bozeman 
off its little thing or I've got the USS Reliant in uh, where I work uh, right out in front of the desk and uh, the janitorial people who come by always knock it over and it's actually had one nacelle knocked off unfortunately not accurate to the movie oh. it's the other nacelle that got knocked off Darn. so very frustrating <laughs> but to, to, to have something that you know I, I know someone definitely was involved in the process of building the models I have from Eagle Moss. I do like this idea of maybe kind of meditating into one of these ships and, and sort of deciding which one I want to do has been been kind of where I've been at now is like basically which one do I want to pick. Uh, a colleague of mine gave me uh, a TOS uh, original um, Enterprise that was like from, I think, like the 80s or something, unbuilt model. But it was like the one that you could pull apart and it's like a whole cross section oh, yep. on the inside. I know that one. So yeah. I am not that good. And <laughs> and it's just sat in a box ever mm -hmm. since. Like I just don't know politely what to do with it because I'm just not that good. So I want to start somewhere. But I want to ask you. Give or take, how long did it take you to make the model that you did? How long of a process was it in total? Oh, it's tough to say sometimes because I, I, I'll have periods where I'll work on it hard for a week or so and then just kind of leave it for a long time. Like it's definitely a hobby that I come back to and drift away from. So I know that one ended up taking probably about six months, but as far as like how much time I spent working on it, I'm not really sure. It was kind of on again, off again. Yeah, it, it could be pretty lengthy depending on... That's the thing that I had the hardest time with when I was young was the patience required. Like you do a coat of paint and then you leave it for 24 hours or 48 hours preferably. But, you know, I... I'd do a coat of paint and they'd be like, oh, I want to paint this thing now. I want to paint this now. And <laughs> it would be a mess by the end. Like, yeah, obviously yeah. not the way it's supposed to be done. But uh, yeah, the patience is, is a tough thing. But I think I found the way to do that is I forget about it for a month and then come back to it. And, oh, hey, the paint's cured really well now. That's sort of, sort of like episodes of Star Trek for me. I'll, I'll leave them for a really long time and then come back to them. With the exception of the Dominion arc. Mm, um, mm hmm because I returned to that more than anything, but um, returning to a ship that you're working on slowly, it kind of reminds me of a friend of mine who builds, he, he, he builds cars, or at least has built a car, uh, 1949 Ford sedan delivery, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, really pretty. And, and I mean, like, again, it's not like he just sort of whipped this thing up. It's taken him, you know, years and, and there's trial and error and there's been frustrations and, you know, had to go back to the drawing board, Wiley e. Coyote moments. And I know like building a car and building a model are, you know, different things, but there's definitely a similarity in the process of personal creation of it being a hobby, something you're doing for yourself. Yourself, would you do it again? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I kind of have to tell myself I'll do it again because I have a closet full of about 40 or 50 probably unbuilt models. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, me. That might be an exaggeration, but if it is, it's not by much. And my wife will absolutely attest to that. <laughs> so I kind of have to tell myself I'll do it again. And I, I always want to. And as with everything in this world these days, it's, it's finding the time to sit down and do it and, you know, dedicate a space to doing that and, and all of that. So it's something that I really want to get back to again. I just need to find the time. <laughs> right. 
making the time. I think that's another piece of it is, you know, um, reflecting on a lot of what um, what we talked about last week with, with our episode with Jesse. I'm, I've been thinking about the things that bring me joy mm-hmm. and the things that make me happy. And, you know, those sorts of things that, that we need to, I think, be a little more... Um, for lack of a better term, aggressive on, on being that way. Right. And, and doing stuff that makes us happy, talking about things that make us joyful is actually the real way of being revolutionary. And I know that, you know, sitting down quietly with a cup of tea to make a model isn't necessarily, I would consider, you know, on the top list of what people should be doing revolutionarily or something or changing the world or something. But I think though we bandy this word about maybe a little too much, there's something self-caring about doing a little difficult job that is both artistic and creative mm-hmm. and harkens to something that you find a great deal of of love for. For myself, I think I would probably do the refit. Um, the, the Enterprise refit would probably be the model of choice for me. I think about when I first saw the motion picture, I was, you know, young-ish. And I remember just the cinematography. Um, if there's a movie that I could ever see in the theaters, that would be the one, mm-hmm. right? I've seen I've seen other classic movies in the theaters, Apocalypse Now, Raging Bull, um, The Godfather Part Two, and and those were meant to be seen in the cinema for sure. But I really do believe that, that TMP is a cinema movie. You need to watch it in the cinema big big screen and um, that would maybe give me an opportunity to get some more gratuitous shots of the enterprise by actually building it yeah uh, myself you know well if if you're willing to get in the weeds a little bit on this i'll give you some recommendations for that there are three models of that ship that are kind of the the ones that people know there's a one three fiftieth scale one, which is absolutely massive. It's about like two and a half feet long, maybe almost three feet long. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely gorgeous. I think it <laughs> screams to have like a, a $200 light kit put in it to make it really not perfect. Shine. No, I know. <laughs> I would not recommend that one. Uh, if okay. you're just starting out for sure. Uh, there's also... A classic one that was put out years and years and years ago, and it's been recently re-released by round two. I think the scale on it is about one five thirty seventh. It's about mid-size. I would not recommend that one either because it's not a good model. <laughs> it is okay. hard to put together. The nacelles will inevitably droop uh, after Ugh. about a month not good polar lights which is a subsidiary of round two puts out a one one thousandth scale which is pretty small when it's built it's 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 not big it's fairly small but it is a gorgeous model it goes together really nicely and i think you can put some really cool details on it to really make it pop a uh, little bit smaller scale, but I think if you're wanting to start out, that would be the one to go with. Oh yeah, looks like it's about fifty bucks. Yeah, uh, even okay. even that, like that's inflation talking because I man, it came out, it was like twenty five bucks, I think. <laughs> uh, oh wait, there there's one one thousand. Yeah, it's thirty four ninety five. Uh, that's that's a little bit more reason. That's I'd pay that for that. I think. Okay, and then like a it looks like about a twenty five dollar uh, price tag on the. Uh, on the lighting kit for it. Okay. Yeah. And there's uh you can get Aztec decals for it or decals for our friends south of the border in the US. I, I get laughed at every time I say decals. That's apparently a Canadian thing. Decals is is apparently the American way. Yeah, I, I I've 
I've converted. I just say decals. I know. I, I'm usually pretty good because I talk about Star Trek models sometimes on the YouTube channel. And that was me just not catching myself and accidentally saying decals. <laughs> Speaking to a fellow Canadian, I, I speak your language. Exactly. It's, it's, it's all right there, eh? <laughs> right on. Take off, you hoser. Yeah, going out for a ripper, you bud. Uh, anyway, so yeah, in my new one one thousandth Star Trek refit enterprise. No, I like that idea, and and being able to to kind of put myself into that, I think something that lights up is fun. And uh, yeah, I maybe uh, maybe a neat project for rainy days in the summertime uh, moving forward. Should we get any rain? And yes, I can see the updated USS Enterprise polar lights. Uh, Trek set up there. That's pretty cool. So I guess, you know, watching all these model makers and stuff like that has been really great. And I don't really like the term uh, starship porn necessarily, but um, I do like the the gratuity at which uh, some of our model makers are... Uh, are, are putting out. And if there's any positively Trek listeners who are out there, I am secretly floating around Facebook. And if you want to post any of your cool, I'm actually going to set a reminder for myself um, to pop in. And if anyone has made any models that they want to share on the chat mm -hmm. and have a discussion about that this week, um, I will try to crawl out of my social media hole and, uh, and, and say hello to that. Cause I'll, it, where, where there are ships, I will come um, back in, I think either 2017 or 2018 S TLV, they had a, a fellow come from Germany who had put together an Enterprise E, which was basically, as far as I understand, from scratch, and he made it out of like foam core, uh, and it was an absolute work of art. I took uh, many videos of it. I came back to a bit a whole bunch. I'm sure he was getting freaked out by me, just like coming back <laughs> and being like, can I see your ship again? Um, the, the Matt Jeffries legacy lives on beautifully um, in the Star Trek ships we're seeing now. Um, yeah, shout out to Bill Krause for designing the new Titan. Luna class is going to be always something in my heart, but can that man build a freaking ship? Um, mm -hmm. Just lovely to see the creativity get built off of this. So as a uh, person who who does know, like I said, about the the museum that is shown in, in Picard, spoiler alert, um, getting to see a lot of old ships, getting to see how they all kind of come together and how they're being imagined in this time, right? Like I have seen pictures of the, uh, which the USS... Um, oh, the New Jersey. The New Jersey. There mm -hmm. we are. Yeah. Getting to just sort of revisit a lot of those old ships just gets me thinking about back in the day, right? When I knew of people who were doing that and then now getting the, the fortune of seeing people create these things on uh, social media and sharing them. Um, what a wonderful thing to do and uh, keep it up out there. And so anyone on Positively Trek uh, chat group, drop your ships. Want to see those ships. Yeah. That's what, uh, that's what'll make the week brighter. For sure. I'll start a thread in the in the chat group in the positively trek discussion group i think the last model i built and it's quite a while ago now i might have even shown this to you a couple of years ago was a, a small uss shenzhou from discovery nice little model went together really well i'll i'll take some you built that yeah i'll t i'll take some pictures of that and uh yeah i'll start a thread and get people to post their pictures of star trek models Cool. And I've seen the, that Shenzhou knocking about, I think, but I'd never put it together that you built that. Yeah, it was just a, a small kit kind of snapped together, but I did paint it and uh, put the, de the decals on and all of that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, that's really cool. Well, I think with that, um, you obviously can find us on the Positively Trek Facebook group. Um, you can... Also, I believe we have an email, right? Yep, positivelytrek at gmail.com. 
There you go. And if you want to uh, continue um, this discussion, like we said, come on to the Positively Trek chat group. We would uh, love to hear from you there. And until then, stay positive. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.